Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. Keith, how are you, sir? I am doing well. Doing well, Tom. How about you? I have no complaints whatsoever. I am still basking in the glow of uh, what happened, not Saturday, but Friday. Yeah, it's kind of hard to imagine that it was on Friday and not Saturday because we, we were so used to Saturday, and I've messed up and said the same thing a couple of times already this week as well. I will say the benefit one of the benefits was that I enjoyed Saturday. I watched a lot of football on Saturday and I don't normally get to do that because I'm usually watching FSU games on Saturdays. Exactly. Exactly. Anything else come to mind? We had a pretty good recap of the game, but I don't want to just completely turn the page. Bob Frante is going to join us. I think there's a lot more to dive into. Maybe it's not as much about the game, but just more about the season as a whole. And I'll just, started with a very broad statement, Keith, for all the times over the years we've talked about FSU not being greater than the sum of its parts. This was a year where this team was greater than the sum of its parts. Would you agree? Wholeheartedly. And again, it speaks to, you know, building the foundation and player development. You know, we've talked about that for the last four or five or six years. And even the last couple of three years when Jimbo was here. You know, they were signing some great athletes, but they weren't necessarily great football players. And some of these guys are very, very good athletes. You wouldn't call them great athletes, but they're becoming great football players. And to me, that's always been the difference between a, a sustainable program and a program that is, a you know, every fifth year, every seventh year uh, type of uh, meteor. Uh, and that's, you know, it's what Bowden and his staffs you know, built the dynasty on. That's what Clemson and Alabama are doing. Um, and, and maybe Florida State's begun uh, down that road themselves. We used to talk about this annually. Florida State would not look that great and they'd lose to Wake Forest or whomever it was. And we'd say, Wake Forest is a team that doesn't have a bunch of four and five stars, but they play better than the sum of their parts. And some, some years it was Louisville, some years it was Syracuse, whoever. Uh, and so to me, I don't honestly know the last year you would say that FSU was greater than the sum of its parts. The easy answer would be 2013, but I don't even honestly know if that's true, Keith, because every player on that team went to the NFL. So I'm not sure they were greater than the sum of their parts. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that was when I talk about those meteors or those, you know, once every five years, once every seven years, Florida State was that. And, and you can fault Jimbo, you can have, uh, you can love him, you can hate him or anywhere in between, but he and his staff on that year with that group of people were able to make it happen, but they weren't able to, to you know, make it continue happening. 
And we've seen the same thing at Texas A&M. Again, and I'm not picking on Jimbo. I'm just saying when you deal with these, you know, four and five star only kids and you don't take a run on some two and three stars that, that are going to blossom later in their uh, college career, um, you know, it's going to be feast or famine. That's just the way it works. I, I, I can't even articulate and explain it to you why. I can just tell you the what. Well, as also, as we've talked about, this is one of the more fun seasons we've had, I've had, uh, because it's a likable group of guys, and also because the expectations weren't there. And, and I don't know that I'll be the first one, Keith, but I'll just go ahead and throw this out there. Next year will be completely different, especially if Jordan comes back, because the expectations will be through the roof. And we'll be back to doing shows. Well, why did Florida State only win by two touchdowns? I mean, why in the world did such and such team score 21? And we'll be dissecting that, which is not nearly as uh, – uh, granted, if the result's the same and they keep winning, we'll all be okay. But but I'm just saying when there's less expectations, it's more fun. You exceed them and you have a year like what this year was. It, it's coined the phrase that we've all heard or said ourselves, you know, uh, under promise and over deliver. And, and when you get your expectations up, most of the time it's over-promise and under-deliver. Yep, exactly right. So we wait for a bowl game. We'll talk about that with Bob. The all-ACC teams uh, are coming out as we're recording this, which is on uh, Tuesday afternoon, evening, by the way. So we'll react to that, hopefully, if we get news on that. Um, and then we wait and we wait and we wait to see what Jordan decides and the other guys, but, but, but mainly Jordan, I think. Well, mainly Jordan, but there's some other guys and there's already, you know, Monday and Tuesday, you know, reports out there that this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Uh, this is going to turn on an NIL deal. This is going to turn on a feedback that, you know, didn't rate someone as high as they thought they would. And then two weeks later, something else happens. You know, who's going to play in the bowl game? Who's not? Uh, you know, those are the things that are modern football, 2020, 2021, 2022. Um, you know, it's just, it's going to be interesting to watch. The one thing you and I talked about, and I can't recall if we actually uttered it um, on the air for our post-game show, but, you know, my only big disappointment is if Clemson had beaten South Carolina, there was a chance, although it wasn't very big, but there was a chance that Florida State could actually end up in the Orange Bowl. And wouldn't that have been something? Three, four years, however long it's been without a bowl game, and then your first bowl game under the Norvell era, is the Orange Bowl, but the Tigers lost, and that's not going to happen. I'll say this, though, Keith, and you texted me as the Tigers went down. I found myself not upset about that because the thought of Clemson tapering off just a bit. And by the way, it's really a two-for-one because if South Carolina wants to become good and get viable in the SEC East, that really does FSU two favors because it makes it tougher for Florida and it makes it tougher for Clemson. So I'm on board with that. How about this, Tommy? I haven't researched this. You're much better at the analytical part of this. But if this was 2023 and not 2022, wouldn't FSU and Clemson be playing in the ACC championship game? I think you're probably right. Uh, I'd have to look at the conference records, actually. We can do that as we're talking. I mean, the, the larger point that people have pointed to is that if we were in a 12-team playoff, Florida State would potentially be – after this weekend, FSU might be in the top 12. They're 14 now. Right. L LSU might lose. Utah might lose. 
Uh, I mean, FSU could move up two or three spots and be sitting at 11 or 12. And my point simply being, and we'll, we'll figure it out when we have to, but as I understand doing away with the divisions, the two highest ranked teams play in the ACC championship game, not the two with the best conference schedule. Now, I don't, I don't know that. I'm suspecting that. But I'm just saying, man, what another 12 months could have meant. You know, it's a good question you ask. Uh, and as I look at it, see, and that that's going to be the answer because UNC went six and two in conference and FSU went five and three. And so it feels like they would be number two, but I don't honestly know the, the, the answer to that. As it relates to the Orange Bowl, if Clemson had gone to the playoff the way that's written, it is the highest ranked remaining team. Correct. So that's how FSU would have snuck in. Um, I don't know, but the, the way to do that, to solve that, Keith, is just to finish first in the ACC next year and not worry about that. You are a master at dissecting a problem and getting right to the best response and answer. Yes, that, that is the obvious. Thank you, sir. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more. We're just getting started here on uh, Front Row Knowles. Stay with us. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. The holidays are right around the corner, and many of you are traveling to visit family and friends. What a great time to upgrade to a newer used vehicle from Hobson Chevrolet. With new Chevrolets arriving daily and the best used car inventory in North Florida and South Georgia, it's a great time to buy. Need to get your car serviced for your travels? Mike Tyler and his team will take good care of you so you'll have a good, safe trip. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Let's open up that Earl Beggett Agency hotline and say hello to our uh, Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. I should point out the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Hey, Bob, how are you? Doing great. How are you guys? We are well. We did a long uh, recap of the big win over Florida. I know you and the Osceola folks have done the same, so we don't need to spend too much time on that. But now that it's resonated for a few days and you look back at it, what's what sticks back in your mind about that game, that night, that win? I think if you're, I think if you're writing it, you're, you're, you're probably miserable because it's at night and the game is shifting on you. And, and it's, it's one of those games that there's a lot of emotion for both sides, but when you can go back and watch it, um, go back and watch on YouTube that condensed replay and then watch the cinematic recap that the FSU creative team did, it, it's really a fun game. I think it's a fun college football game. If you're purely a Florida State fan, you're on the edge of your seat the whole time, but maybe reflective of the whole season just in that you had to really battle and you really had to battle and fights through some adversity to uh, to win this one because – yeah, I mean, going in, we didn't think Florida was going to put up this much of a fight. We didn't think they were going to score that many points. Um, thought they might be physical, but maybe not that physical. And um, But yeah, in the end, to see, I think the defense have that bounce back in the third quarter 
to force three punts in a row to see the offense capitalize and, and really, you know, pull out that win. That was, that's a special win, I think, to finish off and, and state titles should not be taken for granted when they just haven't happened all that often of late. So that's, that's a really cool building block for, for the players and for Mike Norvell. Obviously, we didn't know it at the time, but on Saturday, there were going to be a couple of three pretty significant upsets, and, uh, and Florida State doesn't take care of their business. They could have started it on Friday night. Yeah, it, it's been that kind of wild couple of weeks in college football. Um, you know, a shame that I think Clemson hasn't taken care of business down the stretch because Florida State maybe had an outside shot at, at going Orange Bowl when, when the dust settled here, but maybe this is the mark of a, of a good team, you know, force has done what we sort of expected them to do, which was take care of business these last five games and, and knock off the opponents. Um, so in, in the end, you got four blowouts and a nail biter, but I, I think you got a really good finish from Florida state. And, and now we'll kind of see where the bullshit scenarios shake out, but you have to feel Regardless, you're going to see the Seminoles in a really good bowl against a, a pretty quality opponent, too. Well, and as much as I'd like to point the finger of blame at Clemson, Bob, FSU can point it back at itself because if they if they close against NC State and win that game, then they're sitting right there ranked comparable to Penn State and really maybe ahead, maybe right behind. But then you have a decision and and, and potentially you're going to the Cotton Bowl and not relying on Clemson and what happens in the ACC, but I don't want to make it about that because I agree this team exceeded expectations and this is going to go down as a, as a really memorable year to me. Uh, and Bob Keith and I talked about this in, this in the first segment, you're much like us. You spend so much time at FSU games on Saturdays that you don't get to sit back and watch a lot of other college football, but with a Friday night game, we got that opportunity this week. And among the games I watched was the last one of the day with USC and Notre Dame. And as I watched Caleb Williams run around, with the same number, I thought to myself, not that Jordan is a poor man's version of Caleb, but that I've seen that for the last 15 or 18 games. And I'm not trying to be too, uh, you know, exaggerate too much, but there's an awful lot of similarity between those two. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think Jordan Travis is a version of, of some of the better, uh, quarterbacks out there, maybe because his team didn't have a ton of notoriety going in. He wasn't on any of those lists, even, even the preseason all ACC types of lists, but it, it's cool to see what he's done. I thought the beauty of, of the Friday night game against Florida was Jordan Travis is the guy who has said consistently, I want to show the world I'm a passer. And he had to show the world that he was yet again, a runner to to win that game he had to show his complete body of work and and that's what's really neat um you know it was fun hearing charlie ward doing our seminal sidelines on uh, sunday night and and saying how much he enjoyed you know watching jordan travis because a lot of similarities there in in, in style of what they do and I, I thought charlie made some good points about jordan's game and that he, he would love to see jordan come back and you know continue to improve himself and and make this a team that can win an ACC title and, and compete for, for maybe even more in 2023. Well, guys, the non-Twitter guy has brought up the all-ACC team. Have y'all gotten it yet? Not did, yet. Did the carrier I'm, pigeon get it to you faster than Evidently, Twitter? evidently. First team we mentioned earlier, Dylan Gibbons, uh, uh, safety Jamie Robinson. And let's see. 
got three on the first team, four on the second team, one on the third team. Dylan Gibson, Jared Verse, and Jamie Robinson on the first team. Jordan and Trey are on the second team, along with Johnny Wilson and offensive tackle Robert Scott. And uh, Demetri Emanuel is on the third team, offensive lineman. So I think the, the big takeaway there, honestly, is a lot more names among the ACC's best than in the past couple of years. And we're, we're seeing more, more first-teamers, second-teamers. That's, that's reflective of wins, but but also you're, you're grabbing some good guys out of the portal and, and developing them. That's, that's what's cool to see. I, I think the Dylan Gibbons honor is one you probably wouldn't have expected early on in the year. He, he's a guy who I think, though, has set the tone for this group. He's been the leader. He's, I, I think he's rubbed off very much in a positive way on, on a Robert Scott, on, uh, on a Maurice Smith. So it, it's cool to see Dylan Gibbons uh, you know, finish with a flourish I think a real appreciation, you know, for what he's done off the field, you know, raising almost half a million dollars for, for big man, big heart. And, but also on the field, he's done something really, really uh, cool as far as kind of, you know, blocking the way for, for an exciting run game, seven straight 200 yard games, which we haven't seen since the eighties and, and really a, a good efficient uh, passing attack. When, when those balls are caught by receivers, I should say it's very efficient, but, uh, well, and another part about Dylan that's uh, close to my heart is uh, he's uh, graduated. He graduated from Notre Dame with his undergraduate degree, and he's been working on his master's. He's a 3.5 um, student. Uh, he was named the recipient of the ACC's 2022 Jim Tatum Award, uh, which goes to the, the best student athlete in the ACC. Uh, and, of course, you mentioned the money that he's raised uh, through his big man, a big heart organization. I mean, he's done a lot of things on the field. He's done a tremendous amount of things off of the field. Yeah, I, I think, again, such a positive guy. You have to hope that somebody takes the the kind of big man, big heart reins. And I think I think somebody will and, and help to kind of continue the good that he's done in the community. Um, I You can't say enough about also – the fit, what Mike Norvell has done as far as grabbing the right personality, the right leader, um, the right guys out of the portal. He's he's landed, you know, some really impressive guys. I mean, look at obviously Jared Verse, a transfer, Jamie Robinson, a transfer, um, you know, Trey Benson, almost a thousand yards this year. And, and again, let's reflect on the emotion of the moment when when Trey Benson was was brought in here there was criticism of, of the Florida State fan base and some of us as reporters hey how good is Trey Benson's knee after a major you know surgery like that and again that's that's confidence that the staff has in hey I remember this kid as a Mississippi high school prospect they knew him they knew the personality the work ethic they were able to bring him in and and to get nearly a thousand yards in the regular season. I didn't think we would see it from a Florida state back just because we saw a bullpen by committee approach, but uh, the way he's run pretty much from Treshawn Ward's injury right around NC state since uh, all the way to the finish line here of the regular season, it's been, it's been really, really impressive. You know, what, what Benson's done this year. Looking at this list, I see Robert Scott made the second team too. It's it's actually a nice list. I think the biggest takeaway and the player of the year will be announced later in the day on Wednesday. Uh, May for North Carolina has twice as many votes 
for first or for all ACC as Jordan Travis did. So that tells you who's going to win the player of the year. My, my question as we finish up this segment, the, the debate for coach of the year, and I think that's going to be announced Thursday, I think it's going to come down to Norvell and Elko at Duke. And it feels like Elko is going to get it, especially uh, because this is media voted on and there's a lot more media in the state of North Carolina that participate. And in full disclosure, Keith and I talk about this every year. I don't know if you still do, Keith, but I don't vote. I haven't for a number of years because I just don't see enough of the other ACC teams play. I do, but, I do not either. Yeah. I, I will point out that if, if Duke's coach wins it, that will mean that Duke's coach has won four ACC Coach of the Year honors and FSU's coaches have won two since FSU joined the ACC. And at some point, we got to call that for what it is because I do think Norvell's deserving this year. It's almost one of those deals where you'd like to see co-coach of the year. I know it's kind of a cop-out in a certain sense, but again, can't take anything away from Mike Elko. He's done a phenomenal job at a school that, outside of Steve Spurrier and David Cutcliffe, not many guys have won there. For Mike Norvell, it's a obviously a four-game improvement. I projected them at seven and five. I was way off. They've you know, su- surpassed our July and August expectations by far in winning nine games. I think they're both very, very deserving for for sure. Well, we'll see if we have to argue about that one or not, right, or be upset after the, the final announcement. But all in all, better representation from Florida State on the ACC, all ACC teams, as there should be. And next year, there'll be even more. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit and what the future looks like right after this. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles. Loading the kids in the car, brokering peace in the back seat, mastering the snack handoff without even looking. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things like figuring out what's growing in that cup holder. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at TryMyBank.com. Member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank studios. Back on Fargo Knowles, Tom Block, Keith Jones, Bob Franti as we continue this conversation. So uh, any idea when Jordan's going to make his decision, Bob? You know, he was asked about it Friday after the game, and I I think he's very much reluctant to announce anything just yet. Um, We've kind of kicked this one around. There's more money to be made potentially by staying in Tallahassee and continuing his career. He also would have to continue his academic career another year, and he's already got a degree in hand. So this is a tough one. What's the timetable look like? Could be this week, could be next. Um, you know, we could what, see what a number of, think? we see a number of opt-outs too. I mean, really, this is this is the time where some guys might decide it, it's time for me to get ready for the for the draft. 
I was just going to say, you know, the timeline has changed so much now with this early signing period in the transfer portal. So it used to be that guys had till January 10th or 15th to pull their name out of the NFL draft. They'd wait for their evaluation, but you're not doing, and I'm not suggesting Jordan needs to do this. He can make his own decision, but you're not doing FSU or your current school any favors if you do wait until January 1st, because there's an early signing period before Christmas, the transfer portal opens Monday. I have to feel like that factors in there somehow, some way, but maybe it doesn't. I mean, the calendar in December is a complete mess, especially if you are a coach playing in a bowl game, you've got to do all the bowl practices. Um, in addition to, like you said, the early signing period, the transfer portal opens up, I believe it's Monday the 5th. And then, like you said, you've got until early to mid-January where you can pull out of the draft. If, if you go to the NFL's draft advisory committee and say, what is my evaluation? Where do you think that I can be selected? You have to wait for them to look over your film. And, and that's that's going to take some time, too, because they're doing this across all of the FBS schools, including uh, you know some of the D2 schools with some of those prospects, too. So. Yeah, it's a complicated roster management um, situation for for Mike Norvell, and that's why he's hired, you know, a Derek Ray, a, a guy who thoroughly examines the roster, and they have to figure this out. But yeah, I mean, there, there's exit interviews ongoing. I, I think they're having these candid conversations, you know, in, in these days as they have a couple of practices, you know, Wednesday and Thursday on the on the field. So. It's a weird calendar. It's it's a lot of juggling when you've got 85 scholarships and you got to figure out how all the pieces work. And, and do you have to go to the portal to grab, say, a quarterback or or a linebacker because you feel like you're going to lose somebody? I mean, how does it all play out? It it's it's sort of that that big challenge is where the calendar does not help you as a college football coach right now. The other part of it is if it's if it's not clear cut. If you're you're on the you're on the bubble, you know don't don't hold me accountable to these numbers. But I seem to recall there were some 300 plus or minus kids that declared early. They still had eligibility left, and they declared early. And only about 110 or 115 of them were actually drafted. I'm sure a significant number of that other 200 signed free agent contracts. But you also have to believe that. You know, there's a percentage, whether it's small or what you would consider medium, 20%, 30%, plus or minus, that declare early and do not get drafted and do not sign as free agents. They've effectively ended their career. And and because it, it's very hard, if not impossible, to come back. Um, it's, it's, it's like the transfer portal. A whole lot of people go in, but not everyone comes out. I think that's where your evaluation from the NFL is, is so integral into making that decision, the right one for you, because once you're, you're staying in the draft, you're, like you said, you're locked in. I I'd also argue, you know, if some of these guys are really thinking about it, if, if you get that grade back and it's not what you were hoping for, the NIL represents an opportunity for somebody to stay in school, to complete your degree, to make some money, while playing for a team that's you're building something i mean guys in this 22 roster can say we are building toward something that could be even better in 2023 why not stick around so there is a, an avenue from a financial standpoint to to incentivize someone to stay now in the case of a say a trey benson you're a running back you've had an injury history 
almost a thousand yard season, you might say, well, this makes sense for me to go pro. But I think for a lot of other guys, truly way that advisories, uh, advisory committees response and, and take it as very important as far as what decision you're making. Cause there's, like you say, there's no going back once you pass that deadline in January. The other aspect of it, and then I'll, I'll hush is simply who else do you have in your ear? And uh, some of these kids have some quote unquote advisors that either are not knowledgeable. Uh, we'll just call them ignorant. I'm not saying they're not smart, but they just don't understand how things work or they have other motives that they have other, other agendas. And uh, that becomes a, an issue that has to somehow work its way out as well. I'll say this regarding Jordan, and then we'll move this on. I can't imagine that his evaluation is going to come back that you're a top half of the draft prospect. I, I could be wrong. I think it's more apt to come back. You're a third day or a free agent. Now, I don't know that. I'm not an NFL guy. I do know that Devin Travis has said probably on this show, he certainly has told me that the most fun he ever had in his life was playing college baseball at FSU. And so when they have this conversation and Devin's been a professional athlete, he knows what that life is like. That will be part of the equation to say, Jordan, you're never going to have as much fun as what you had this year and what you could have next year. So just think about that before you decide to take the plunge. I don't know where that means it'll land, but I do know that'll be part of the conversation. Don't you think, Bob? Yeah, I, I think so too. And, you know, the opportunity to be on a practice squad in the NFL is not exactly as, as, as sexy as you might want it to be. That's, that's not your, your true opportunity to get to playing time in the NFL. The, the one big difference, if some of these guys are thinking about, it, is that there's more jobs that are going to be coming open in the spring with, with the XFL. So there is potentially some money out there, some opportunities to get in at a developmental league. But again, I, I think the smart route, if, you, if you're a third day guy, like a Jordan Travis or somebody else, is to use your NIL opportunities and to come back if, if that's what you think is the best decision for you. Yeah, and let me clarify, I'm not betting against Jordan in the NFL. I, I actually think he could make it. I mean, people bet against him here and look what he's doing right now. I'm just throwing that out there because he doesn't have the measurables that the NFL wants, even though there's each year there's a few more shorter quarterbacks that are having success in the league. Uh, so he he is coming out in a better era than when Charlie Ward came out and there were questions about what Charlie could do and his height and the offenses at the NFL. Much better time for Jordan Travis to test that. Okay, a couple of random things here, Bob. First of all, is it lunacy that LSU is currently ranked ahead of FSU, given same exact record and – I'd argue a worse resume for LSU and a head-to-head -head win for FSU. Yes, I, I tend to subscribe to the theory that head-to-head -head wins are meaningful when it comes to polls. That said, the only thing that's really important is, is what the college football playoff said. I have a lot of respect for the coaches and the writers who vote on these things because it's nobody wins. Nobody wins by putting their top 25 out there on Twitter or on their website. Um, but in the end, it's what the college football playoff deems, and, and, and we'll kind of see how that shakes out down the line, too. All right. The bowl options for Florida State, it would appear, from what I can tell, and maybe you've seen it, but it doesn't seem like the ACC publicizes as much the way this bowl process works. As best I can tell, the winner of the championship game is going to go to the Orange Bowl. After that, the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando gets the next pick, 
And after that, there's like five bowl games, including the Holiday Bowl, the Gator Bowl, the Dukes Mayo Bowl. They all get in a room. And I don't know if they arm wrestle or horse trade, but they just decide, well, I, you know, we had North Carolina last year. How about we get FSU this year? All that said, it feels like FSU is going to go to Orlando and the Cheez-It Bowl, although they could take Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame would be in play there. What do you think? It's a weird deal. And like you said, there's not as much transparency as you might wish. I, I, I'm with you. Clemson to Orange is what's going to shake out as long as they win the, the title game. From there, we've been told that it's an equal decision between a, a tier of, of bowl games between Orlando, Jacksonville, and the Holiday Bowl out in San Diego. I, I still say why Orlando when Florida State will be down there to play LSU around Labor Day next year. Jacksonville makes a ton of sense. Seminoles haven't played there since 2010. It makes just too much sense. But all the national analysts seem to be hearing the whispers of Orlando. But but Maybe. drill deeper on that, Bob. Do you not think they would sell out the Cheez-It Bowl if Florida State's in it against Texas Tech sure. this year? But but to your point of the whole, you know, bartering, does does, does oh, Cheez-It... see my understanding though is that Orlando's not in that pack. They're separate and they pick first. Now they could barter, I suppose, still, but that they don't have to. That's where the transparency comes in. None of us is right. is one hundred percent positive on that. Yeah, and I, I buy. It. I mean, in a normal situation, if Orlando has first pick and doesn't have an LSU game lined up next year, then it, it's it's probably Orlando's game to to take. You know, take Florida State with whatever opponent. I just have kind of subscribed to the theory that these three bowls will work together to find the best matchups and with Florida state going to Orlando that some of those being played at Jacksonville, but a lot of people are also projecting Notre Dame to Jacksonville. And as much as we kind of knocked what Notre Dame did early in the year, they've bounced back and they had a pretty, you know, fairly respectable season, albeit with that Southern Cal loss. I would feel like Florida state is much more attractive to Jacksonville than Notre Dame, but maybe from a TV rating standpoint, the Gator Bowl says, wait a minute, let's take Notre Dame. These are the things that you don't see. They don't happen out in, in plain view. So it's it's hard for us to figure out until maybe some folks let us in on that discussion, you know, after Sunday night. Well, guys, I don't know this to be a fact, but you mentioned something that triggered a thought to me. I pretty much think that the bowl's TV revenue is what it is, regardless of who plays. So the only thing the bowl committee people are interested in is who's going to buy tickets and who's going to come. And we may be back to the old days when, you know, you, you pick a team that's going to sell more tickets than a team that's going to do television, right? Except that the, the one bowl where that, I don't want to say tickets don't matter, Keith, but the ACC has a, a tie into the holiday bowl against the Pac-12 school. And uh, the Holiday Bowl knows they're not going to sell any tickets to whoever comes from the ACC. That is an 8 o'clock Eastern time kick on Fox, one of the only bowl games Fox has, I think. And so they're all about the TV number. So that game, the reason you see FSU and Holiday Bowl projections, they want a big name. They want Notre Dame or Florida State. And if they had to, they would take North Carolina, which isn't a football brand, but is a national brand. But I would be shocked if that was Wake Forest or, or honestly anybody else in the ACC. I guess if Clemson loses the, the ACC championship game, then they'd be in that discussion because they would do a number out there too. So that's the one where the tickets are not as much of a needle mover. And that may be, that may be. But I would tell you this, if, if I'm A.D. Alford, the Holiday Bowl does nothing for my program. 
I totally agree. Yep. Nothing yeah. from our program. Yeah. 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 No, totally agree. I look, all apologies to the ACC. It's not the most ideal bull tie-in for the ACC to go out to San Diego. It makes much more sense for Big Ten, Big 12, another conference. Well, let, let's talk about this, Bob. What we really need, with due respect to the fine city of Jacksonville oh, oh, and go. Orlando here we go. and Tampa, here we go. can we get the ACC tied into the Bahamas Bowl or a Jamaica Bowl? Can we create that? How about a Bermuda Bowl? Maybe the USVI. I mean, let's think outside the box here. Those of us that are working in Florida, Bob, we've we've been to lovely Jacksonville and Orlando and Tampa on a few occasions. How about Key West? They got a high school stadium there. Let's 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 liven things up. Here we go. <laughs> you know, Heath, ESPN Wildwood, ESPN Wildwood have a stadium. Bowl. Can we go to Wildwood? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a. I know you're kind of tongue in cheek, but but ESPN owns these bowls. They could create a bowl and put it in whatever market they choose. I'm sure they own the Bahamas Bowl. They could own the Grand Cayman Bowl or the Key West Bowl or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting options that you know you could see ESPN do. They're they're looking to fill programming and, and get good ratings out of these games. Well, don't let the ACC be part of the conversation because we'll put another bowl game in North Carolina and we'll be going to Fayetteville or something. Heath, have uh, I checked all the boxes today all in uh, one show? I, I, I got nothing. Yeah, all right. Bob, we'll let you go before we get yourself in trouble with uh, the fine folks at the league headquarters. They can just be mad at Keith and I. <laughs> if I get a 336 area code, I'm just going to forward it to you. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Thankfully, now you don't even have to take the call or listen to the voicemail. You can just read who it was and what they said and, and just delete from there. He is Bob Fran there, right. Osceola Insider. Uh, Bob, thanks for all your uh, good work this year, you and the folks at the Osceola. Folks, subscribe if you haven't done so already. And uh, we'll continue to catch up. I imagine, you know, now we'll go two weeks hot and heavy on recruiting, and we'll do that up until uh, signing day. But thank you, sir. Yep, take care. All right, we'll take a break, come back and wrap things up right after this. The holidays are right around the corner, and many of you are traveling to visit family and friends. What a great time to upgrade to a newer used vehicle from Hobson Chevrolet. With new Chevrolets arriving daily and the best used car inventory in North Florida and South Georgia, it's a great time to buy. Need to get your car serviced for your travels? Mike Tyler and his team will take good care of you so you'll have a good, safe trip. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you. Or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back. Appreciate Bob joining us as always. Keith, just a few minutes to go. Uh, what would you like to discuss, sir? What, I would like is, uh... to discuss soccer. And well, I'm not s- talking about the World Cup. Okay. You're talking about the uh, 
fine Florida State team, not the U.S. soccer team. Is that what I'm? That is correct. The ladies have um, run through their bracket. They're headed to the College Cup, which is uh, up in Cary, North Carolina. They'll take on the University of North Carolina. Uh, is that Friday afternoon or Friday evening? I, I, I don't remember. I saw that cor correctly. Well, it's both, depending on your definition. It's at six o'clock. I think okay, that's more in the evening realm. But and um, they lost to Carolina in the regular season, beat them in the uh, ACC championship. And um, so this will be, uh, I guess you call that the rubber game. Um, but I, I'm just excited for for, um, for the ladies. They, they've continued their uh, upward trajectory, and uh, they've been very fun to, to, to watch. They've been very fun to read about, hear about, you know, all that goes into what they are. Um, I guess I've adopted them a little bit, Tommy, as, as the real student athletes that I thought football was 40 years ago. Uh, but they've been phenomenal. I went to the Elite Eight game on Saturday, and they had a record crowd there, something like 26 or 2,700. It was a great atmosphere. Arkansas played them really well. Mm -hmm. uh, second half, Florida State had a lot of chances and, and could have could have pretty – well, I don't, I don't want to say pretty easily. In soccer, you never know. They had enough chances that it could have been more than one nil, but when you don't get that second goal in soccer, then you sweat it out the whole way, just as the U.S. did, that the other team doesn't get the equalizer in the last – in the last minute. So I, I wish him good luck. It's uh, we had Brian Penske on the show the week he was hired Keith. And I can't imagine, I, I know this is not, he's not the head football coach. He's the head soccer coach. So it's a little bit different spotlight, but when you're following Mark Krikorian and you come in and the expectation is that the season's going to start with you in the college cup, that's a lot of pressure. So the fact that he actually got the team there in the first year, I mean, I, this is, I don't even know that he'd call it house money. Cause honestly, you probably got to win the title to be on the same page and stage as what Kirkorian is, but it's been a great job. And not only that, I mean, he could have come in and said, we're going to do it my way. Not to say that's a good or a bad thing. It's just a different thing. But he chose to spend some time with these ladies and kind of embrace what they had been brought into and allow what they were comfortable with to kind of dictate and drive some of the things that he has uh, gradually incorporated from his ideas. And so I applaud him for having the maturity and the, uh, the wisdom to take that route, as opposed to saying, no, we're gonna do it my way. And if we have to fall back a little bit, we're gonna do that. He chose to mend and blend. Uh, and I think he's done a remarkable job balancing that. In the final couple minutes, Keith, Florida State actually has bowl practice. Imagine Can that. Believe it? It's like an Can extra spring. It? It's an extra spring practice. Remember that? Uh, I, I do. And uh, when it comes to bowl games, I remember it with fond memories. Spring practice, I never remember in fond memories. Uh, <laughs> we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways with no shoes on in Florida, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, you get X number of additional practices. Coach Norvell even mentioned that in, in some of his comments uh, after the Florida game. Uh, that's additional player development, that's additional time to install and refine, and then you get an opportunity to play again and compete, that's what you came here to do, and then kick off, quote unquote, your fall and your spring workouts, uh, hopefully on a high note. Yeah, exactly right. So uh, overall, just restating the obvious, Keith, fun season, glad it finished the way it did. I uh, went back and watched some of the game, Keith, and we talked about this on Sunday. I don't, I don't want to summarily dismiss this because Florida State it was obvious from that game they need to get better at the line of scrimmage on both sides 
But I do think a couple of the, the big plays by Florida, when you look back, were a result of lack of depth at the safety position, your old position, where we were down to third-team guys. Sidney Williams had been playing linebacker the last seven weeks of the season, and they had him in there at safety. I don't care if he played safety for three years. If he hadn't played it in two months, he's probably a little rusty, and he took the wrong gap there on that ETN run. I don't know. Your thoughts quickly on that? Uh, lack of run fits. You go back and look at it. It's one guy out of space because he's inexperienced, and credit Florida. They took advantage of it. Yeah, that's that's what it seemed like to me too. The bottom line though is um, we're only what five days into the 365 that we get bragging rights on this key. So maybe we'll just recap the game every week from here till next November. Uh, probably not a good plan, but it is a plan. It is a plan. Uh, we will plan to do this show again next week, folks. Thanks for tuning in. As always, he's Keith. I'm Tom, and this is Front Row Knowles.